economics is the study of human choice in the world we live. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. By investigating faith in economics, we can learn how they lead to human flourishing. This is the Faith in Economics podcast, a presentation of the Gortney Institute at Ottawa University. Welcome to our show today. I'm Lou Graham, co-producer and graduate assistant for the Gortney Institute. Dr. Russ McCullough, the founder of Gordney Institute and Wayne Angel Chair of Economics with us today. We also have Dr. Justin Clark, the Menard Family Professor of Philosophy and Ethics. We have Dr. Peter Jacobson, the Gordney Professor of Economic Education and Research. And finally, Nate Johnson, my fellow producer and graduate assistant. All right. Well, we have a special guest here today from California, currently residing in California anyway. Dr. Julia Norgard received her PhD from uh, George Mason. And she has interest in uh, applied micro. She's got some math background, uh, hosts some great talks with her undergraduates, mostly focuses on the political economy, even some stuff with the dark net, which is, always has that mysterious element to it. And then some economic development, including places like Uganda and Rwanda. So Julia, it's great to have you on. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right. Well, I'm excited to hear, since this is a faith and economics podcast, sometimes we drift away from faith. Well, I shouldn't say it that way. We The topic of faith <laughs> sometimes gets substituted with more of the topic of economics. And so I thought it was great, some of your side interests, uh, being a Catholic and interested in how Pope Francis views economics is what it sounds like. So can you expand on that for us? Yes, absolutely. I am a lifelong Catholic and hear a little bit about encyclicals and new popes and what their stances are. I don't know about any other Catholics in the room, but before doing this research, I had never read an encyclical front to back. They are extremely long. They're very technical documents. And I, in my research, had come across a lot of commentary on how impactful Pope's words are in the economic space. So this very much surprised me, but up there with Marx and Adam Smith, Catholic Popes are the third most cited individual experts, quote unquote, on the economy. So I think it's really important for us or myself as an economist to be able to be commenting on what, what exactly are the Popes saying in the context of what? Also in our Catholic tradition, we have this tradition of speaking ex cathedra or from the chair, and that is on topics of faith and morals. So some people hear that as, oh, the, the Pope can be infallible on anything. So if the Pope, if the current Pope is a fan of socialism or free markets, for example, therefore the Catholic church must also be fans of these specific topics. So as an economist, I was very intrigued by this. And I have a few co-authors, Nikolai Wenzel and Hannah Mee Kling that are working on this piece about the economics of Pope Francis. And there's a lot of commentary on his particular stance on the economy. And so I did the due diligence of looking through all of the official documents. I was primarily focused on his homilies, his lectures, his encyclicals, which are the most important and prestigious publications of the Vatican, then you have apostolic constitutions, and thirdly, apostolic exhortations. So those in order of official officiality, if you will, was what I was focused on. And that was the impetus for this research. I'm curious, uh, I assume, but I don't want to do that. Does he have any economics 
training in it of any sort, whether back from an undergrad class of principals and or as he's done it, has it been more of a learning by doing? And maybe I hope anyway, he's got a pretty hardcore, solid team behind him that helps educate him along the way or something, if it's not the case. So do you know much about that angle with it? Russ, one would hope. Absolutely. But unfortunately, many of these popes do not have any economic background. They do have an economic team of advisors. Jeffrey Sachs, for example, is a prominent economic advisor to the Pope, along with other economic advisors. But as far as formal training, absolutely not. And also these encyclicals, especially going back to Leo XIII's Rerum Novarum, which was the, the beginning of Catholic social teaching in the eight, um, it was published in 1891. From then, and actually you could even argue that from First Peter, the original Pope, the first Pope was talking about economics. He talked about labor. He talked about the relationship with business. But from Rerum Novarum in 1891, Popes have been weighing in even more heavily on specific economic matters. They're referencing Marxism. They're referencing socialism. They're referencing capitalism. And each one has this framework from the context of which they are living. Pope John Paul, for example, grew up in, in Poland and was very influenced by free market ideas because of his background in communism and his experience with communism and his outspoken criticism of communism along with Ronald Reagan's were attributed to the fall of the, of communism. And, and so they weigh into this very often. However, their technical economic background is basically non-existent. As far as I know, they also don't, they refer to in encyclicals, apostolic exhortations, and apostolic constitutions, they refer to technical economic phenomena, but they don't cite any economic literature. These official documents, quote, they reference the Bible primarily, and they reference other official church documentation. So they're constantly building off this, but not reaching out into the technical economic space. As, and as an economist, that's obviously very frustrating if you see these popes not referencing technical economics. And part of this work was tough because it was difficult to pin down exactly Pope Francis's stance on various topics because he makes him and his predecessors make these very wide sweeping generalizations or general commentary about the economy. For example, it is incumbent upon an employer to provide a living wage for the employee. And as an economist, I'm saying, okay, well, what exactly does that mean, right? Are we talking about wage and price controls? Are we talking about some type of specific benchmark? Are we controlling for standard living? Are we controlling for the economy? You know, various different other factors. To answer your question, Russ, in short, very little economic training. There is a teamwork of excuse me, a team of economists there to advise him, but each one of these teams fluctuates Pope to Pope. So Julie, I have a question. I yes, think like the, the, ele- the elephant in the conversation for anyone who's paid attention to Pope Francis is that I am curious now that you've done this research in the legwork, there's a lot of accusations that Pope Francis is you know, uh, more extreme ones would say a socialist of sorts. I think that most reasonable interpretations are that he's just a little bit less friendly to free markets then maybe Pope's past. That's at least like the general interpretation. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this ter- interpretation is true? How true is it? And how distorted is it? Because I also sometimes hear that Francis's words are frequently distorted. And so given your research, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, thanks a lot, Peter. So 
what I primarily focused on is his words himself in official documentation. Pope Francis, as you mentioned, is notorious for saying things off the cuff and then being misinterpreted. And going back to that that notion of speaking ex cathedra, for example, when the Pope was referencing, I, I think a, a um, just mainstream media commentator was asking him about, I, th- I think homosexuality or something of that nature. And he said something like, who am I to judge? And so through that lens, people were very much misinterpreting what he was saying in the context of the teaching of the church. So this research is just saying, what is he saying in these very official documents? And he has been widely misinterpreted for his comments on the economy. However, and I'm going to answer your question in twofold. So his comments on the economy with regards to official jerk church documentations in those three most prominent works I was I was referencing earlier are actually surprisingly similar to his predecessors. He's oftentimes juxtaposed with his most immediate pre- predecessor, Benedict XVI, who was heralded as more of a classic, more sort of right, friendly pope. He was very scholarly. However, if you look at his commentary on, for example, business, markets, the environment, Pope Francis's are not a far cry from various things that he was implying. In his first apostolic exhortation, Pope Francis said, such an economy kills, referring to various economic systems, but not technically referring to whether or not he was referring to a free market system or a socialist system. And so a lot of more right-leaning folks very much panicked by that. And we're looking at, at, looking at that as at criticism for the free market, for example. He is most clearly aligned with Paul VI in regards to his thoughts about the economy, the environment, markets, and business. But even his most quote-unquote conservative predecessors, he's not completely out of line with. Now, he takes some of what they say further, especially with regards to their thoughts on private property rights. And from an economic perspective, that's something that I'm working or I worked on technically nailing down. And for example, he is against the government ownership of property, but he's also somewhat against private property. And it's very difficult to get his, right? It's that sort of somewhere in between. And it's very difficult to get him pinned down on what he means by that. Now, and that was a little bit of a circuitous answer well, I, to your I, question. I just was thinking, it sounds like he's American, uh, or at least most of the American government. We believe in private property, but government's going to regulate it such that it's right. almost as if we own it. And that's right. kind of the shift where a lot of governments go. And I think from a Catholic standpoint, so I, I was uh, born and raised Catholic, but then married a Missouri Senate Lutheran. So I am a card carrying Lutheran now. And so I, I, I tend to enjoy some of the criticisms that Luther had of the Catholic Church. All right, so that was a little bit of the background that maybe went to <laughs> But my point is, you've got God, you've got the Pope, and you've got this hierarchy. And so I think the, the church kind of mimics some of the stuff that maybe models how the government could go with a little bit mm. mixed bag. And so I, I, if I'm hearing Francis, if I'm hearing you right, and Pope Francis likes to see a more manage system, if you will, or, you know, rules, regulations, make sure we got to keep the, the free market in check. Sounds very American in a, in a sense, or at least other, maybe even less free uh, countries around the world. Your thoughts on that? Yes, I actually would definitely agree with that. And 
Pope Francis is our first South American Pope. Previous Popes were all from Europe. So they definitely have that different context as well. And when he discusses things like private property, he is an advocate of government intervention in the market. Business, for example, he says, yes, we do. I do agree that business is central to the betterment of human peoples, which is very much in lockstep with Benedict and John Paul, Pope John Paul II. However, he says he, more than his predecessors, opens the door for more government regulation and oversight. Now, a lot of the commentary on what he says is, oh, well, because he's from Argentina, he is referring to these various economic systems. He refers to economic systems, not technically in the sense where he's referring to, I am criticizing socialist economic systems, or I am criticizing capitalist economic systems. He uses language very broadly. So the commentary on it says we need to look at Francis in the context of where he comes from, which of course you need to do with every Pope. However, what he says about these things is not a far cry from what Paul VI, Pope Paul VI was saying about this in Popularum Progressio, in one of his most prominent encyclicals. So yes, very American in the sense that, hey, we're not full-blown free market, but we're also not full-blown government intervention. There needs to be this middle ground. He also says, for example, he's very critical of business, especially the profit-seeking motive. He doesn't see what a lot, he even sees that relationship between consumer and producer in conflict, not necessarily in cooperation that we see as economists. So he's saying there's a lot of conflict there and it is incumbent upon the ethics of the business owners and the business managers to institute various morals in their business proceedings other than just the profit motive. That is something that we we hear very commonly in his talks about business and work. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that culture question. Uh, we're getting close. We'll probably call for break here um, shortly. So when we come back from break, I'd like you to comment more on that, especially with the work you've done in developing countries. But Pope Francis is from Argentina. Argentina has an awful history of swinging kind of towards the market and then back towards a populist mm-hmm. dictator, print off money to solve our problems type of mm-hmm. approach. But a lot of South America is like that. And I always wonder how much of these leaders really understand a true dynamic of America more than mm. what they just read in the papers and, and maybe digest through media. And what I mean by that is mm. to actually be in a company and see the boss interact with the stock boy at the, at the grocery store, yep. you know, it's not this power thing that I think gets portrayed a lot. It is more cooperative, I think, in general. You know, of course, mm-hmm. there's anecdotal stories all over of the bad boss who's being the big bad dictator. But I think in large part, it's a very cooperative process in a healthy uh, system with, with freedom. And so look forward to expanding that in the, in the second half. And we'll be back in just a little bit. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If you use iTunes, please consider giving us a five-star review. It helps people find us. We'd like to do a mailbag episode. So please send your questions to Gortney.institute at gmail.com. The Gordon Institute at Ottawa University is the best place in the Midwest for students interested in freedom, justice, and its impact on human flourishing. Faith and economics in action. The Gordon Institute is calling all moms and dads of high school juniors and seniors. Uh, we have a couple events coming up where you and your high school junior or senior, maybe it's a, a mom-son, maybe it's a father-son, maybe it's a dad-daughter, whatever your combination, come to Ottawa University we're going to do a book club on Bitcoin. So if you're interested in learning about Bitcoin, Dr. Clark's going to lead a discussion group on that. 
And then Dr. Uh, Peter Jacobson is going to be talking about inflation. Inflation is affecting us all right now, and it's a hot topic. So come and join us for that. Look for details on how you can sign up and join in here in the upcoming weeks. Don't forget to check out our show notes where you'll find a timeline and other information about the podcast that will be helpful. You can find that at anchor-faith and economics. All right, well, welcome back. And uh, we left off with the thought of Argentina and the culture and so many economies down there, including Chile, by the way, which has been a sad case here recently. Um, they had climbed up the economic freedom ranks. And I think culture is just something that's very difficult to overcome. And I can't help but think that Pope Francis, you know, being born and raised in, in Argentina and kind of having that culture of South America where there's usually some sort of powerful leader that's going to bring prosperity with the next round of elections. And that just seems to cycle down in South America more so than uh, a lot of other places around the world. And ho hopefully that can change at some point, but it's very difficult to. So, Julie, I wonder if you could speak to that and maybe some of the specific policies that you think Francis does that might be related to that. Yeah, thanks, Russ. The Argentinian context that Pope Francis is speaking from is central to his views on the economy. And something that's unique to popes is that they have commentary from all over the world. There are over a billion Catholics worldwide. So you, the American commentary is going to be different than the European economy, which is going to be different than the South American economy. Francis sees a lot of the poverty in South America as a result of market forces more so than government forces. And this very much frames how he views the relationship between government and individuals and businesses and individuals. For example, he sees businesses' main goal as to provide jobs for people in their community. And he is a large advocate and a big advocate of protectionism specifically with regards to labor. It is very infrequently that popes refer to economic principles in their official documentation. However, Pope Francis does say, I understand the concept of creative destruction, which means there is some type of innovation in a business or it's going in a different direction and it leads to the loss of jobs, maybe because of technology, maybe because of innovation. And in the long run, it's very good for the economy and good for individuals. But in the short run, it's very difficult, especially with regards to the loss of jobs. So he says, I am particularly familiar with this concept of creative destruction, and I'm against it specifically with regards to creative destruction of jobs. And I am an advocate of government stepping in and encouraging or forcing businesses to keep those jobs. That being said as well, he is also skeptical of various forms of technology. He says, yes, I like technology. I like how it helps with advancement, but he juxtaposes technology with what he calls more of a biological speed and rhythm of people. And he says technology leads to a lot of consumerism. It makes it very difficult for individuals to live an ethical life with technology. And so he's skeptical of economic advancement to that extent. One thing that he also says is that we cannot compare because he says, I am familiar with the argument that economists make of, oh, well, now poverty relative to the past is much better. Now people have running water. Now people have access to cell phones. And he says, nope, I do not agree with that. I am an advocate of a relativist viewpoint of poverty. So he's saying, I do not agree with economists who say, look at the poor now relative to the past. He says, 
I want to look at the poor now relative to the rich now. Wow. Okay. Well, that's enlightening, <laughs> shocking, and disappointing all at the same time. Peter, you, it seemed like you had a question maybe related to this. Yeah. So I guess just kind of some lead in here. Nobel Prize winner F.A. Hayek was famous for, and Julie, I'm sure you know this, when he accepted his Nobel Prize, one of the things that he said is, if it were up to me, I wouldn't have a Nobel Prize in economics because mm-hmm. it confers too much authority behind someone's <laughs> opinions about the economy. Yep. And I wonder if this same concept and this worry, which I share with Hayek, if this same worry could be applied, you know, not just to Nobel Prize winners in economics, but religious figures. And so mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, the Pope, especially not being an expert, I think he, experts have problems too, but the Pope being, especially not being an expert, giving opinions on the economy, I wonder if that influence isn't just, even though it's maybe not an official church rule, it's just his opinion. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it isn't harmful to some extent, or at least has the potential to be. And I wonder as a Catholic, as an economist, I'm not asking mm-hmm. you to go after any particular Pope or the church or anything <laughs> like that. Um, because by the way, this, this occurs in other churches too. I know I'm non-denominational. I have a good pastor, mm-hmm. but I've, I've been to churches where the pastors will say something about economics from the pulpit. And it's like, you don't know what you're mm-hmm. talking about. So yeah. do you think that this is, I guess what I'm asking is, do you think Pope should be more, more humble and more quiet about the economy? Or, or do you think uh, that this, this is a place for them to step into? Thanks, Peter. In general, I think it actually is really important for popes to be stepping into this space with additional humility and education on the topic. And this is something that did surprise me about these official commentaries, how similar they actually were. And then the interpretation in the context of of what decade they were in or what era they were in definitely directed individuals' perceptions of how they viewed certain things on the economy. So I do think it is actually their responsibility to be commenting on these things. And the fact that they are very general gives me a little bit of hope. They're not very technical. However, the inconsistencies of some of these things, particularly with regards to stances on intervention or protection of private property rights or nationalization of property, does differ pope to pope. Now, we don't see that in Catholicism as dogma of the Catholic Church. And I think that gets a little bit confused when you're viewing things from that framework. Many think that anytime a pope speaks, that's dogma of the Catholic Church, but that actually isn't the case. So I would like to see popes weighing in on these economic issues, but perhaps if they are less educated on them, being more general. And that is what they err toward. And Peter, I very much sympathize with what you were saying with regards to Pope's commentary on the, on economics being harmful, which I'm, I'm sure that that could be the case. We also have the flip side though. And I think Pope John Paul's, John Paul II's example is very important for his commentary and, and being a very outspoken critic of communism and being one of the two main individuals in the world that contributed to the downfall of communism politically. So It is, and it's interesting too, because I'm thinking, okay, they're commenting on economics, but they actually aren't referencing any economics. And then I'm thinking, okay, maybe that would be even worse. I'm not sure. (laughs) Julia, when you mentioned, I think the worst thing I've heard this call is that Jeffrey Sachs is the advisor to uh, Pope Francis. I don't have anything against Sachs personally. Obviously, I don't even really know him, but I would prefer the Pope pick a name out of a hat to choose the economic <laughs> advice for that. Yeah, that, I, I'm, I'm with you there that it could maybe even be more disastrous if they were you know, going to the literature. Peter, as Julia, a high schooler. Oh, please. 
Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to comment. I'm thinking maybe there's a testable hypothesis, a new research line for you. You've got the Pope uh, Paul II regime and you've got the Francis regime or other regimes. It wouldn't have to be yeah. Francis. But, you know, what were some of the economic outcomes during that decade or something in different countries where there's a high Catholic population? And did the influence of Paul's commentary you know, kind of changed the mindset of people that led them to, I don't know, start more businesses, be more free, you know, whatever. Maybe there's some economic outcomes that were more beneficial during that regime. And and now we could have at least a little bit of evidence. Maybe that's a testable hypothesis. I don't know. Things like something might be on. Russ, I actually like that you said that. I am working with a good friend of mine and we are empirically gathering data on the topics that encyclicals cover and doing an analysis of that, that is, that corresponds with social trends at the time to see if popes are leading social trends or they're following social trends. So what are they commenting on and empirically gathering that? So that is actually something I'm, I'm, I am, I'm working on to get the numbers behind this. And that's actually something that's very much lacking in the commentary on Pope's space. There's not a lot of numbers to it. Many people refer to things as being popular or less popular, but there aren't empirical, there's not a lot of empirical data to indicate how popular or not popular something is and relative to other popes, relative to other topics, that sort of thing. Yeah, interesting. Um, Justin, are you out there? Uh, I remember you had a question about some Latin. I am out here. So my question, I think you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I was wondering if you could draw the distinction between, you know, a Pope speaking ex cathedra. And this goes a little bit into what you were talking about, about maybe people confusing uh, Pope, you know, papal opinions on things as Catholic dogma. And if it's important to have Pope's speak on these issues, even when they might disagree a little bit, what is, what does count as dogma and what doesn't? So could you maybe talk about that for a second? Yeah, thanks a lot, Justin. I am not a theologian, so please note that I am a Catholic economist, so much more focus on the economics of this. In Catholicism, speaking ex cathedra, it means from the chair. So this is Catholic see that when popes say, I am speaking ex cathedra on issues of faith and morals, I am infallible. Now, this concept has been applied to most things that people think are ex cathedra, like 99.9% of them are not ex cathedra. So popes actually very rarely speak ex cathedra. And it's noted, it's documented, it's very official, because they're saying what I am saying is not, it is without error. So these are very few things and only on faith and morals. The, the pope actually technically cannot speak ex cathedra on, for example, the economy. So many individuals, Christians, lay people, they know about this concept. So they attribute anything the Pope says to being something, oh, I know that Catholics believe in the infallibility of the Pope. Therefore, if he's an advocate of socialism, the Catholic Church must also be an advocate of socialism. So this is where I think there's space for disagreement with um, amongst Popes. And in their official documentation, referring to previous Popes is how they engage with each other. Hey, I am quoting Paul VI Popularum Progressio, I agree or disagree. And it's not so much that they say they disagree or agree, but they are building off it. And you can think of it as maybe even changing the direction that the church is focused on with regards to the economy. So we do have a distinction between dogma and various traditions in the Catholic church, but on these 
matters of the economy. There are commentary from popes is not con- in this economic space is not considered Catholic dogma. And, and I think primarily because the popes are acknowledging that we are not an economic institution. We are a institution of faith and morality and spirituality. Do you think, uh, if I put you to the test here, what fraction of Catholics actually know that, though? Or mm. and that's not totally fair, right? Because you've got the, you know, right. our our colleague in our department, you know, is is kind of hardcore practicing Catholic, and then you know, so with any church, there's probably twenty percent, you know, that are in the know. Let's call it, and then the other eighty percent. Right come to Sunday church, do their thing, go home. Right. Right. Um, So I don't know how to, uh, you can comment either way way you want, but I I think that's an important thing that you just said. Cause I think as, as some people perceive if the Pope said it, like you said, I, that that's right. Gospel. That's the word, right. That's the divine word of God channeling through the Pope. And so uh, maybe you could expand on that a little bit more. Yeah. Thanks Russ. And frankly, I think this is a failure of church teaching, not teaching their own Catholics about this. There was a Pew Pew Research survey that came out that said that I think over 50%, and please don't, I guess, quote me on this, but it was a, I'm pretty sure it was over 50% of Catholics don't even believe that the Eucharist is the body and blood of Jesus Christ, which is central to our faith as Catholics. So if they don't even believe that basic fact, how on, how educated are they about the, the ex cathedra distinction, for example. And that's not to say give up on anyone by any means, but I think that's frankly a failure of our church leadership. And it is incumbent upon us as Catholics to, to be engaging in this. And I think it's very encouraging that the popes are highly cited as, as experts on the economy. And maybe I want to make a caveat, not necessarily experts on the economy, but cited as justification for doing something with regard to the economy. Well, Pope Francis said, you know, protectionism is okay. Therefore, we're going to go forward with that. So I don't know if that answers your question, but <laughs> Russ. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. You know, for my uh, Catholic family and friends, at the, at the end of the day, do you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your only savior? You know, we all agree on that, right? So that's the one Christian thread that remains. And so Luther talked about the right-hand kingdom, which is what I just said, your relationship with God and your heart. But the left-hand kingdom was us relating with church and other people and our communities and businesses and all the work that we do is what Luther referred to as the left-hand kingdom. And I think this is where it's important that a pope with that much authority can help shape that dynamic better and lead to uh, more prosperity, maybe more people becoming Catholics for that matter, or more people finding Christ in general, not necessarily being uh, Catholic. And so I think it is something that they should take very seriously. And to to the extent you have the power, Julia, uh, continuing to spread that good word in the Catholic Church, I think would be a real benefit. (laughs) Thanks, Russ. And that actually reminds me, Pope Francis, although he is a little bit more radical than traditional Catholics would like to see a Pope be, he was very much welcomed by, for example, the news media in the United States. I mean, he was time person of the year. And in a church that's been racked by decades of scandal with regards to the, the sex abuse crises, to get that positive attention of the Catholic church, I think is was, was, um, was, was good to some extent. Now, it's important that that positive affirmation is coming from a good foundational place, but Pope Francis has definitely been a huge shakeup to a lot of what's going on in the church. And 
it was encouraging to me to see his official works not being a dramatic diversion from his predecessors, some divergence from his predecessors, but more building on what they have done. Absolutely. Okay. Well, this looks like a good place to wrap unless there's any final words. So uh, Julia, it was a pleasure to have you on. Hopefully maybe we can do something else in the future. We, uh, our, our previous host, uh, my old colleague was Catholic. So we'd always have these Catholic <laughs> Luther debates. So I kind of missed that. Uh, I got to Great. throw a few, a few Luther things out there. And again, I really appreciate you have, uh, having you on. Great. Thank you all. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. All right. Well, this has been a production of the Gortney Institute here at Ottawa University. I'd like to thank you all for listening. Um, if you feel so inclined, a five-star rating helps other people find our podcast. And otherwise, just spread the word to your friends and family. Other than that, be fruitful and multiply. Thanks.